Hey, what's up, everyone? You are on the Eden Podcast, and we are so glad that you're here. I hope that the next 30 minutes will help you to become the person that God always dreamed you could be. Let's get started. I want to welcome everyone joining us online today. It is so good to have you. If you're part of the Eden family, I want to say a special what's up to you this morning. Special shout out. If you're joining us for the very first time, we are especially grateful that you're here for our church at home experience. It is Easter Sunday and we have so much to celebrate, so much to be thankful for. My name is Daniel. I'm part of the team here. I also have the privilege of being lead pastor here at Eden Church. And we are all about helping people become all that God dreamed they could be. I don't know about you, but I've been having a lot of conversations with my kids lately and our family just in general, a lot of conversations in light of the shelter in place situation that we're all in. And one of the conversations we've been having is how they don't have to be afraid in the dark. I remember when I was their age, I was so scared of bedtime because I knew that I was going to have to sit in my room in the dark and all these scary thoughts would come to my mind. I don't know why that is, I think it was because of the movie Little Monsters. It's this movie about how you have access to the monster world right underneath your bed. That ruined it for me. But I think for some reason it's when we're in the dark that fear and anxiety and worry can overtake our hearts and our minds. And I wonder if you're like me, if you've ever felt like your life in the middle of a struggle or the middle of a difficult circumstance has felt like a dark room. I think the main thing about fear that happens in darkness is that it feels like in the darkness we become uncertain about our surroundings. And it's easy for the fear and the anxiety to creep up in the middle of uncertainty. And I think maybe the hardest thing about being in the dark is feeling as though we can even find hope in the dark. Today we're going to talk about how Easter helps us to have hope in the dark. And so we're going to do that by looking at the Easter story through the perspective of a lady named Mary. They called her Mary Magdalene, not to be confused with Mary, the mother of Jesus, whose name is obviously also Mary. And we don't really know a lot about Mary Magdalene, but we do know that she had a lot of baggage in her life. She was the type of person that probably wouldn't want you scrolling too far down her social media page and looking at all the comments that people have left in the past or the people that she's interacted with because she had a past. She had a really dark past. And we don't know a lot about the moment that her life intersected with Jesus, but all we know is that she was in one of the darkest moments of her life. And when Jesus found her, he saved her. He rescued her, he redeemed her, he restored her life. And I think that if you were to look at this one moment in Jesus' ministry, you would get a good sense of what Jesus was all about. You would also get a sense of why people loved and valued Jesus so much. And that's really what we see happening in Mary's life. She loved and valued Jesus more than maybe any other person in her life. She saw the value that he added to her. and, and this was something that she was committed to for the rest of her life. And this was really important because Jesus needed faithful people in his life. Because one of the things that we learn as we learn about the life of Jesus is that as his influence grew, so did the hostility toward him. Jesus could sort of sense it. He could sense the tension all around him whenever he'd go into these public venues. I think that all of us 
maybe get a sense of what, uh, what that's like because all of us can maybe sense the tension when we're out in public now. I don't know about you, but when I go to the grocery store, I am literally looking down the aisles that nobody's on, trying to go down only those aisles. But if I have to go down an aisle that someone's at, I will literally hold my breath as I walk past them. Because I know they ain't trying to breathe my air, and I'm not trying to breathe their air. But it's weird how right now in our current context, we can sense the tension. And Jesus could sense the tension, not just with other people, but even with his own team. There was this one time that Jesus had organized a dinner and he had called some of the key leaders in this movement to be a part of it. And as they were there, Jesus knew that one of them, a guy named Judas, was scheming against him. And so in the middle of that dinner, he just calls Judas out. He says, Judas, just go do what you have to do. And it was at this dinner that really triggered a series of really dark moments in Jesus' life. First, Jesus was arrested. Judas organized a band of soldiers to meet and to find Jesus because he knew where he was going to be at at a certain part of the night. And this group of soldiers show up and they arrest Jesus. And after he's arrested, Jesus was mocked, he was beaten, and then he was tortured. We're told that Jesus was beaten what they call, with what they call a cat of nine tails. This was a whip that had nine strips, and at the end of every strip, there was a broken piece of bone or a shard of glass. And when they would whip their victim, it would literally pull and rip the flesh and muscle from their back. And they would only do it 39 times because they knew that on the 40th time, or they believed that if they had whipped someone 40 times, they would die. And so the goal of this beating and this torture was literally to bring someone to the point of death. After Jesus was arrested and tortured, he was convicted. They brought him to a Roman official named Pontius Pilate, who was forced to oversee Jesus' case. And because of a lot of political pressure at the time and in his life, he convicted Jesus of a crime that he knew he didn't commit. After Jesus was convicted, he was, he was then murdered. He was sentenced to crucifixion by death. This was literally the most brutal form of capital punishment in the ancient world. His hands were nailed to a cross. His feet were nailed to a cross. And as his body fatigued and hung there over time, he slowly suffocated because he didn't have the strength to pull himself up and inhale air. And so, after a few hours, Jesus finally died. And you can imagine what it would be like to be one of his followers looking at him off in a distance and to watch his dead body hanging on a cross. Eventually, a few of his followers were given permission to retrieve his body, and they took it to a private tomb that looked more like a carving out of the side of a mountain. They rolled over a large stone to seal the grave. And when they buried Jesus that day, it felt as though they were burying hope with him. And so this is where we pick up in scripture. John chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. It says, early on the first day of the week, Jesus was murdered on a Friday. It was now Sunday. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So Mary and a few other ladies woke up early Sunday morning at dawn and they went to the tomb. They had prepared these spices to honor Jesus in his death. 
And when they got there, the stone had been rolled away and the only conclusion that they could come to, given the circumstance, was that someone had stolen the body. Verse 2. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have put him. So Jesus, she, so Mary takes off back down the hill to the city where a few of the other disciples were and she tells them that someone had stolen the body. And so as soon as these guys hear of it, Peter and John, they run up to the hill where the cave was, where the, the tomb was, where Jesus was buried to see if what they were saying was true. Mary and the other ladies followed along and when they arrived at the tomb, this is the moment where we see the weight of everything that has been happening over the last few days land on Mary. Verse 11, it says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. In this moment, it hits Mary. She's standing there looking into this empty tomb and she is overwhelmed with emotion. Perhaps it's discouragement. Maybe she feels defeated. Maybe she just is overwhelmed by all the change that has happened over the last few days. But all we know is that she literally did not have words to describe what she was going through. All she had were tears. And if you're like me, you probably know what it's like to be in a moment like this. Where you don't even have the words to describe what you're experiencing. All you have are tears. Maybe that moment for you was when all of the adrenaline sort of drifted away inside of you after a lot of these changes were happening and you came to the realization that some of what's happening in our world is not a week or two weeks long, but it's, it's sort of our new normal and you were struck with this sense of feeling overwhelmed by what that's going to mean for your life. Or maybe that was a moment in your life where you had just come out of a really horrible relationship and you felt clueless about what was next. Or maybe that's you right now, as you were living in the middle of a relationship that you thought was going to last you a lifetime, but it actually looks like it's leading toward divorce, and you don't know what's going to happen. Or maybe that was you the moment that you realized that you were not coming out in an addiction that, like you thought you would. You thought you had finally overcome this cycle in your life, but now you're stuck back in the same cycle. Or maybe it was that moment that you realize you're not in a place in life that you thought you were going to be and you feel overwhelmed. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that all of us have been there and that is exactly where Mary was in this moment because as she bent over and she looked into that empty grave, she saw a lifetime of unfulfilled expectations. She was experiencing the pain of losing someone that she loved so deeply. And it was in this moment that she found herself in the darkest moment of her life. But what is so beautiful about this space is that in Mary's discouragement, in this darkest moment, God reminds her that there is still hope. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 24, verse 4 through 6. It says, while they were wandering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. 
And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Easter teaches us a few things about hope in the darkness. Number one, it's about perspective. It was really in this one moment, this one conversation, that everything Mary was carrying as a tragedy, she began to see was actually God setting the world up for victory. Her circumstances didn't change, but her perspective changed. Sometimes that's really what it's all about. That if we want to have Hope in the darkness, it is about being able to change our perspective in the darkness. And when we can change our perspective, then we can realize that sometimes darkness is part of the process. That's the second thing we learn, is that it's part of the process. And that's really what the angels reminded Mary of. They said when Jesus came, he told everyone that this was going to be part of the process. That if he was going to accomplish everything he came to accomplish on this earth, this one thing needed to happen. He was going to be given over to the hands of sinners. He was going to die on our behalf. He was going to be crucified. I remember this one time my brother was telling me the story of my mom flying on an airplane for the first time. In fact, I think this was the only time she has ever flown on an airplane. She is deathly afraid of flying. But she was flying to the East Coast for a really important event for my family. And on their way back, on the flight home, they experienced some really bad turbulence to the point where like, they had everyone in the plane sit down. The stewardess had to sit down and the pilot made an announcement over the intercom and, and, and stuff was shaking all over the airplane. Bags were falling out of the side and my mom like said this a little bit louder than she should have, but she was like, we are going to die. And my brother tried to quiet her down. He said, hey, we're not going to die. This is just turbulence. My brother knew that turbulence was part of the process. On nearly, nearly every flight you take, there's going to be some level of bumps along the way. There's going to be some turbulence. Mary was realizing that this was part of the process and one of the things that you may be realizing in life too is that sometimes darkness is part of the process. We would never hope for it. We don't choose it. We don't try to make it happen in our life. But if you have lived this life for any amount of time, you realize that struggle and pain and heartache is part of the process. But I think what we also know is that as much as we would love to learn some of life's most important lessons by reading books or hearing stories about it, we really only learn about regret and shame and painful moments when we experience them. And what we learn though is that oftentimes the pain we experience in the process is also meant for our progress. That's the third thing we learn about hope in the dark is that sometimes the darkness is for our progress. Because I think if you've been in the middle of a really chaotic situation like the one that Mary is experiencing right now, it is possible that you have misdiagnosed the situation. Mary looked into the empty tomb that day and all she saw was death. 
All she could feel was discouragement. But that's not what she was supposed to experience. When she looked into that empty tomb, she could have saw progress. I think sometimes when we look at the hiccups in our life, when we look at the struggle, it's easy for us to reflect and to think that we are failures, to think that we're losers, to think that we're undisciplined people or whatever it is. We can look at our situation and we can ask ourselves, how did we make so many bad decisions to end up into a place just like this again? But I think that's the wrong conclusion to come to because it is also possible for us to look at moments where we feel like we're in the middle of a dark place or the middle of a deep struggle and to think that this is an opportunity for progress. Have you ever noticed that being buried feels a lot like being planted? But there's a huge difference. When you were being buried, you were being buried because it's a sign that you are dead. But when you were being planted, you were only being planted because you were being positioned for life. And sometimes it is possible for us to look at our situation and to think that God is trying to bury us or that our circumstances are, are killing us. But what may actually be happening is that you are being planted and positioned for the type of life that you could never experience without having gone through a difficult situation like the one that you're in. You have to know that oftentimes when we experience darkness, it is an opportunity for progress. I think one of the darkest moments in my life was the morning that I got a call telling me my dad had been murdered. It was one of the most painful moments in my life, the most painful moment in my life. And I remember getting the phone call, hearing those words, and all the emotion that flooded my heart, all the frustration that I felt, all the fear, all the worry, all the anxiety, all the confusion. And there was no doubt that I was right then and there standing in the middle of the darkest moment of my life. But what I also came to realize is that in the middle of my darkness, in the middle of my deepest pain, was also the place of God's greatest provision. That He came into that moment and He flooded my heart with a sense of peace that I have no explanation for outside of God's grace and His love for me. And I want you to know that that same God loves you. That the same God wants to offer you hope in the middle of your darkness. And evidence of that love is that He would send His Son to a dark world of people who would reject Him, who would mock Him, who would torture Him, and who would eventually murder Him. Because what God knew about Jesus is that Jesus could carry a weight that we could not carry. And that Jesus could do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And when He came into the world, He knew that He would have to step into the darkness to overcome the grave and to provide life for every single one of us. And the Bible tells us that all we have to do is just believe that Jesus loved us enough to die for us. And if we believe, if we have faith, we could receive the gift of life 
that Jesus offered when He died on the cross for all of our sins. And all we have to do is to be willing to step out of the darkness and into the light. To step out of our past and into our future, the future that Jesus created for us. This morning, if you have ever tried to live life on your own, if you have ever tried to navigate the darkness and feel like you could not figure it out, no matter what you did to find hope, no matter how much money you had, no matter how many relationships you had, no matter how many credentials you had or how many people followed you on social media, for whatever reason, as you tried to step out of the darkness, none of those things gave you the satisfaction that your heart was really looking for. Someone once said that every human heart has a God-shaped hole in it. And we will search the world trying to fill that hole in our heart, but we will never find rest until we find rest in God. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to begin a relationship with Him. And if today you want to begin that relationship to step out of the old and into the new, all you have to do is simply pray a prayer that demonstrates your desire to be connected with God. And I want to help you do that. Wherever you are, your living room, your car, out in public, wherever you are, if today you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. So let's all go ahead and close our eyes and bow our heads. And if this morning you want to connect with God for the first time, go ahead and repeat these words after me. Dear God, I want to thank you for loving me. I know that I need you and I can't do it on my own. I'm not satisfied with the life that I'm living. I don't have purpose. And God, most of all, I don't have hope. Today, I want to trust that you have done for me what I can't do for myself. And I want to receive the gift of the sacrifice that your son, Jesus Christ, made on the cross for my sins. I want to be forgiven of my past. I want to step out of the old and into the new believing that, God, you have something better for me. Today, I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. And I want to begin following you from this day forward. God, help me. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, if you prayed that prayer in your heart, I want to let you know that there are so many of us that are celebrating that decision right now. We're so proud of you because that was a bold step. I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, to simply write amen in the comment section of wherever you're viewing this. And I promise you, we have a team of people that are ready to celebrate with you right now. I also want to encourage you to fill out the Connect card and to let us know that you have made that decision because we want to help you take next steps. I don't know where you've been in this life, but if you're like me, you have experienced hard times. You've experienced struggle. 
But what you need to know is that even in the middle of the darkness, God is with you, that there is hope. Thank you so much for joining us for this Easter service. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time.